Matthew chapter 11, and uh, we'll go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, we do thank you for another day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for another year, and we just ask you, Lord, that you would uh, be with us, Lord, as we gather together around your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would just guide and direct me in my thoughts. Lord, help me, Lord, to say the things that are needful and helpful, Lord. I just pray, Lord, ask you that you would uh, be with each person here, and Lord, bless them for their efforts in coming out, Lord, and for their desire, Lord, to hear from your word and to grow. And I just pray, Lord, ask you just to help us as a church, Lord, to be a witness to the, the folks in this community. I ask you to be with the ones who's unable to be with us today. I know we've got some working and things, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for being so good. We ask you, Lord, to be with the other class as well. And all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, two weeks ago before Christmas, uh, we started something new in Sunday school. We just kind of did a little bit of an introduction. And what we're wanting to look at is uh, looking at uh, becoming healthier in our spiritual life and growing spiritually. And for us as Christians, hopefully uh, we have a desire to grow. Hopefully we have a desire to be more Christ-like, to be closer to him uh, this year than we were the last year. Uh, if we would look back over our lives and evaluate, hopefully we can see a an upward trajectory there because we we talked about there two weeks ago that whenever the Lord saved us he didn't save us to set he didn't save us to stay as we were but he desires to transform our lives he desires to change it he desires to see us growing he doesn't want to leave us where he found us at but as we were looking at that we also found that it wasn't automatic we find that all the way through scripture Paul for instance is uh, pleading with the Christians uh, at the different churches that he had founded, pleading with them for them to uh, grow in grace, for them to uh, put off the old man and put on the new, for them to yield not to the flesh but yield to the spirit. And so you see that there's several different places in Scripture where even though there were people who were saved, some of them saved for a while, it didn't necessarily mean that they automatically grew. There's more to it than just that. And so we have to participate. We have to be uh, willing to grow. And so God does want to do a work in us. And um, I was just thinking on this this morning that with growth, growth does tend to be automatic, right? Just general. You plant a seed, it grows, right? You have a child, the child grows. In most things, growth ends up being automatic, but it is dependent on health. Right. And so that's why we're putting these hand in hand, health and growth. And so if you have the right conditions, if you are uh, cultivating the soil, if you are feeding the child and clothing it and caring for it, if you are putting the right conditions there, growth is going to be the result. Right. I can't make my child grow, but I can give it the, uh, the things that it needs to grow. Right. To keep health and, and those kind of things. And so that's what we're going to be looking at is the different things in our lives that we can be putting into our lives, the things that we can be uh, doing to cultivate that growth and bring about spiritual health in our lives. Okay, because like I said, it's not automatic. Excuse me. Uh, God has given us tools and gifts, but we have to avail of those. And one important thing with all of this is we're talking about health and growth. It's not a 
an appearance-based thing. It's not a performance-based thing. We're not trying to put on a facade. We're not trying to look like something that we're not. A lot of people have the idea that spiritual growth is looking the part. And honestly, God is more, uh, more interested in changing the inside and letting it work out because this idea of making the outside look the part and hoping it affects the inside doesn't work, right? And so uh, another thing that we said as we were looking into this a couple weeks ago, uh, we don't do these things or don't seek growth or spirituality in order to earn or merit or repay God in any way. So this idea of it being something that I have to do or some kind of a duty or an obligation in order to repay God or to earn his favor or to get him to like me or to approve of me is completely messed up, okay? Just an example from this past week, uh, last Sunday was probably one of the highest attended mass uh, services that the cathedral over there had all year maybe next to Easter. Last Sunday, there was nowhere to park in all of town because it was Christmas Day and everyone was coming out to Mass. Why does everyone within the Catholic Church come to Mass on Christmas Day? Okay, for show, because, hey, look, and it'll be seen. Okay, There's also the belief that for some reason that you get bonus points, you get extra credit with God for attending on those services, right? I've even read some of their pamphlets and brochures from the Catholic Church talking about there being extra mercies and extra grace for attending Mass at certain times, okay? And so it's this weight system that people put in place. And whenever we start talking about living the Christian life and living a life that is pleasing to God and uh, doing some of these Christian disciplines that we're going to talk about, it's not in order to merit anything. It's not to earn anything. It's not trying to make it up to God or any of these things. Okay? And so I like to get that out of the way first. But what it does do is it transforms us. That's one word I've already used. But it fixes wrong thinking and wrong desires that result in wrong actions and bring wrong, uh, wrong or bad outcomes. Right? Whenever we get saved, we are in the flesh. We are carnal. We have fleshly desires. And our flesh desires things that is not good for us. If we are left to ourselves, if we continue going the way that the rest of the world goes, we are going to heap up on ourselves heartaches and troubles and despairs, right? Uh, you take about any, any um, area of life and you look at God's way versus man's way and see what the outcome of those are, right? Uh, you look at relationships, for instance. Finding a spouse, finding a husband, the whole dating game and all of that. If you approach it the world's way, you have dating and breaking up and dating and breaking up and broken promises and broken vows and heartbreak and all kinds of baggage. And the more cycles you go through that, the more hurt you're going to be bringing into your eventual marriage, right? But if you do it God's way, keeping yourself pure, seeking his will, being very cautious and careful rather than just try this one and get rid of it, try it and get rid of it, and seeking his will in it, you're not going to be bringing all that baggage into the relationship, right? 
Everybody still with me on this? So we see God's way versus man's way. Uh, you look at business, for instance. Uh, anything to get ahead, that's man's way. Cheat, steal, lie, do whatever you have to do. Cut corners, dump on people, whatever you have to do. Whatever it is to make a profit. But what's God's way? Honesty, integrity, right? Do some people succeed in the world's way of doing business? Yes, many of them do, right? But what's the results? At what cost, right? You do it God's way, you can lay your head down on your pillow at night with peace in your heart. And so anyway, just going on through this here, um, when we follow God's way and we live according to his precepts, it puts us in a crash course with his blessings, and it helps us to avoid the pitfalls of worldly and fleshly living. Okay, It's not that we are living in a certain way to try to coax God's blessings out of him. It's that whenever we live in obedience to his word, it puts us in his will, and it puts us on that course to experience those things. And so it's just a difference in perspective, isn't it? If you're up there thinking, okay, what do I have to do to get God to be good to me? you got a wrong view of God, right? But if you are along the lines of thinking, if I live according to God's precepts, if I live according to God's principles, then that's going to put me in line with his will. Then I am able to experience the things that he's already laid out for me. It's almost like if you go down the right road, you get the right things, right? So anyway, uh, last thing I want to bring out, just kind of a little bit of review of what we were looking at before, is that if we are disinterested in growth, if the things of God is not appealing to us, then that is a warning sign for us. If you start uh, looking at the things that we're looking at and you're like, yeah, I'm just not even interested in that, that doesn't appeal to me, I just want to do my own thing, I want to do it my own way, that should be like a warning light on the dashboard, like check engine. There's something going on. There's something wrong. There's sin in your life. There's something that has uh, robbed you, brought you away from your first love, something that has distracted you from what's really important, or a possibility that you've never truly trusted in him to begin with, right? And so it's a time of evaluation because for every Christian, I believe that should be a desire to grow and to be more like him. If you look back to whenever you first got saved, what was your desire, your your love toward him, that zeal, that desire to grow and to please him and to live for him? Has that waned? Has that went away? Has it lessened? And if it has, that should be problematic to you. That should concern you, right? And that should say, okay, there's something wrong. I'm no longer craving the right things. I'm no longer desiring the right things, I need to correct that, right? Okay, and that's part of what we're looking at here is these things that we're going to be looking at bring about health in our relationship with God, okay? It corrects our wrong thinking. It gives us different, uh, different priorities. It gives us a different perspective, okay? Cultivates different desires. And so we said turn to Matthew chapter number 11, and I'm going to look at three verses here, just for kind of a starting place in what we're going to look at. And look at the end of the chapter, the last three verses. <clears throat> Jesus says, Come unto me, 
all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so as we are looking at this idea of growth and of spiritual health, Jesus has already said that he is seeking to give us rest for our souls, that his yoke is easy and that his burden is light. And so this gives us a good foundation to work from that we're not uh, piling on works that we must do. We're not setting out a checklist of all of these things, all of these hoops that we have to work our way through at trying to build ourselves up, at trying to recreate or reconstruct ourselves. But instead, what we find in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, have you ever contemplated what that verse means, what that phrase means to take his yoke upon you? We're not real familiar with this because we are in the industrial age. There are machineries. We have tractors, right? But for the people who he was saying this to, they were used to taking animals and taking a wooden yoke, yoking the animals together, hitching them to a plow, hitching them to a wagon, and causing these animals to bear a burden for them, right? And so this isn't Jesus saying, okay, we're going to be bearing this burden together, which that in itself would be true. But if you look at just the next part of that, it says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And so what they would do whenever they were training animals, whenever they were teaching animals, they would take an experienced one that knew the way and knew how things were done and yoke it up with an inexperienced one. And in a way, the one animal was showing the other the ropes. He says, come alongside of me, get hitched up to me, and I will show you the way to go. That's essentially what that is saying. So he says, if you come and come alongside of me, I am going to guide you. I am going to show you. I am going to get you on the right path. And so that's what we want to do as Christians is we want to draw nigh unto him. We want to get close to him. We want to follow him. The verse I brought out two weeks ago was whenever he told his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And here he says, get yoked up to me. And whenever you do that, you're going to learn of me. He says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. So he's not going to be an oppressive and driving uh, instructor here. But instead, he is going to be a patient and caring teacher for us. And he says that you're going to find rest for your souls. Our souls are troubled. Our souls are anxious. The world is in chaos today. And he says, come up alongside of me. Learn the way that I have created for you to go. And it's going to cause you to be able to rest in me in a world that's full of tur uh, turmoil and chaos. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's plenty of things that's going to burden us down in this world. But he says, I want you to come and learn of me. And with doing that, it's going to give you peace. It's going to give you rest. It's going to give you guidance and direction. And so that's what he's desiring for us. 
And that's something that uh, I believe we would all desire for ourselves as well. Uh, there's plenty of religions out there that will laden you down with all kinds of things that you must do, give you all kinds of extra burdens on your plate. And oftentimes Christianity uh, incorrectly teaches it misrepresents the truths of God's word and how growth and how uh, spiritual health is achieved, okay? And so I'm trying to, uh, through all this, I'm trying to stay away from some of these wrong ways, these erroneous ways that people go because I think a lot of times our, our minds default back to this. And if I'm not careful in some of the things that I say, your minds might take it the wrong way in the ways that you're used to hearing it, okay? And, or the ways that you're used to taking it. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be careful in this. And so, uh, just as an example of where we're going here, we know that God is often referred to throughout the Scripture as the Father, right? We're often spoken of as the children of God. Okay? And so, Everyone in here is either a parent or a child. Most of us have been both, right? And so we're we're familiar with that relationship, with how that goes. And so he is the good father. He is the good shepherd. He is the, the ox that knows the way that we can come and yoke up with him and go along with him. So all these different things equate to the same principle here, that if we trust him, he will instruct and guide us in a healthy way and in the right way for our good, right? Every parent, whenever they are, well, maybe I shouldn't say every parent because there's some pretty bad ones out there, okay? We know that God is a good father. But every parent desires for their children to grow up and be healthy. Whenever parents are uh, bringing their children up, they are instructing them, they are teaching them, they are guiding them, they are training them in the way that they should go. And then how does the child respond? No. Some of them, no, right? Some of them continue to respond in that way, not just in the beginning, but as they grow up. And what is the result of them refusing or rebelling against the parents' directions and instructions for their life? They end up in trouble, right? And so you see that play out oftentimes in society. Whenever the parent is trying to instruct the child, the child refuses the parent's instructions, and then the child ends up paying the price for that refusal. Now, sometimes the breakdown in that can be in the child. Sometimes it can be in poor parenting. It can be in different areas, right? But we're going back to God now, and God is the good father, he is a perfect father, right? And so where we as parents mess up from time to time, God doesn't mess up. But for us as children and children of God, we have a choice to make. God is instructing us. He is guiding us. He is directing us. He is giving us all that we need to grow up healthy, for us to grow up and uh, have a good life experience, the goodness that he has to offer, right? But it depends upon our response, what we do with what he's given, right? And so that's where the choice comes in for us. 
Uh, we can look back, I'm not going to turn there for sake of time, but you look back in Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15. Uh, Joshua um, challenges the people of Israel. Uh, they came out of Egypt. They're getting ready to go into Canaan. And he says, choose ye this day whom you will serve. Whether you serve the gods of Egypt that you've left behind, or you serve the gods of Canaan that you're about ready to go into. But he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he gives them a choice. He says, you can serve these false gods that everybody around us is serving, or you can serve the Lord. He says, I'm going to choose for myself and my house to serve the Lord. But just put yourself in, in the position of Joshua and Israel back in that time. There were plenty of different options. There were plenty of different viewpoints and ways of going about things, right? And all of those other gods that the people served were powerless, were worthless, were non-existent. They were fake, right? But Joshua was serving the true and living God that had power to give them protection and prosperity. He could cause, the, cause them to conquer their enemies in the promised land. He could cause them to have victory there. He could cause their crops to flourish. He could cause their enemies to flee. He could cause many different things to happen there. But what about the gods of the Egyptians and the gods of the Canaanites? Nothing, right? And the reason I'm bringing this out is we have a similar choice today. We can follow after the Lord. We can do it his way because he actually can prosper us. He can actually lead us in a good way. Or we can continue to fall back onto uh, fruitless methods of the world. The choice we have. And so he says, uh, you have a choice that you can make. We find all throughout scripture this principle of, uh, of having a choice who we're going to serve. Uh, God gave him a choice all the way back in the Garden of Eden. That was the choice. Are you going to trust me or are you going to do your own thing? Right? We find that Paul uh, challenging the people, as I said there earlier, uh, yield to the spirit, not to the flesh. To yield means uh, which one are you going to let have its way? It means you have a choice, right? And so we still have that going on today of who we yield to, what direction we go, uh, who we're going to be seeking after. And we know clearly from Scripture, if you believe what you say you believe, you're a Christian, you're here at church, you say that you believe the Bible, you say that you believe God, if you believe that, then you believe that His way is good. And you believe that the world's way is not. So we would want to go His way, right? We would want to have that healthy life. We would want to have the wrong thinking made right. We would want to have that brokenness within us fixed. We would want to avoid all the pitfalls of this world and of the flesh. We would want to experience God's will. But the only way that's going to happen is if we go God's way. The Bible says in another place, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You look at the context of that, what are all these things? All the things that we need in this life, God will take care of whenever we seek him first. Okay, that's a promise from him. And so we should be seeking him. And so um, whenever we were talking about God being as the father and him giving us instruction, uh, the first area that we find uh, that, and I think the most important area for growth and for spiritual health is going to be in our relationship with his word. Okay. And uh, 
that's what I'm wanting to look at today is our relationship with Scripture, with the Word of God. What are other things in our life that are important for our spiritual health and for our growth as Christians? Okay. Be you uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? So it's not enough just to read the word, but what do you do with it? Very good. Need to get y'all thinking here. Get your blood pumping just a little bit. Fellowship. Need fellowship, right? We find out from Elijah very quickly what it's like whenever a Christian is left by themselves without any fellowship. And so he was despairing. He was in the cave. He was ready to die, wasn't he? Because he was left all alone. I'm the only one. Fellowship's important. What else do we need as Christians for us to be spiritually healthy, for us to be growing? The testimony. Okay. So what he's doing in us needs to be shining out to the world around us, right? Excuse me. That may be more along the lines of a a result, but still, it goes together there, doesn't it? Prayer, communication with God, right? One example that I've heard, and it kind of goes along the lines with prayer and Bible reading, is that of marriage. Okay, uh, I'm married to Les because we both said I do. We made a choice. We got married to each other. And I can still remain married to her and not ever talk to her, right? I can still remain married to her. I don't even have to go home. If I don't see her for a month, are we still married? Yeah. Still married, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of marriage do we have? Broken okay. We can be married for 50 years and never speak to each other. We're still married, right? Mm -hmm. But what kind of marriage do we have? So yeah, communication, that's important. So these things don't make us a Christian, but they do make the relationship work and they're going to increase us. They're going to give us health in our relationship. So with the, the marriage analogy there, we can still be married even though we don't communicate. We're not going to have a healthy marriage. It takes communication. It takes all these things to have a healthy marriage and make it enjoyable and make it what it needs to be, okay? And so anyway, um, any other ideas, any other things that we need to be spiritually healthy for us to be growing as Christians? What is it? Church. Okay. Fellowship one with another. Well, <laughs> he does compare the word to yeah. to food, so we need spiritual food, yes. So yeah, we need all of these things, right? We could bring this into the idea of like physical health and whatnot. Uh, physical health, you need exercise. I'm noticing I lack that a lot. I was looking at exercise equipment the other day, and Sarah's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, there's something I, I need to exercise. I need to move a little bit more. I've been sitting around too much. And we can become lethargic spiritually whenever we are not exercising our faith, right? When we're not moving out of our comfort zone, when we're not doing things 
that actually causes us to have to rely and depend upon God. And so we need those things to strengthen us and to grow us, right? Well, to actually be trusting. What I'm trying to say is you can't put your budget on this addiction. And then, you know, you know, you're, uh, you're going to have to do things spiritually, you know? Okay. So you bring out a very good point there is that we are really where a trinity, right? There's more than just one part. We can't concentrate at one part at the, uh, at the exclusion of the other. And so if we're not mentally healthy, we're not going to be spiritually healthy. If we're not physically healthy, we're not going to be spiritually healthy, right? And so we look at the whole thing, and that comes back to, in a way, a stewardship of what God has given us. He says, whether you eat, drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So yeah, you said eat, right? <laughs> do all for the glory of God. Yeah, you're not going to read the Bible. I'm going to read this. If you're hungry, mm -hmm. you're not going to concentrate. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we need to be healthy in our lives, in our mind, in our our body, our spirit. But I think we probably we need to prioritize as well because we can spend too much time taking care of our flesh or we can spend too much time taking care of other things and we neglect the spiritual. And I think the spiritual is one of the first things that we neglect. Uh, Maybe different for each person, but I think it's one of the first things we neglect. And just for instance, okay, and I may be getting ahead of myself a little bit on this, but you're running late for work in the morning. What gets prioritized? I read my Bible some other time. I got to get breakfast, right? Isn't that the way it goes? And so you've already overslept because you are resting the body, then you're feeding the body, and then you're putting off the the things of God are the first ones to go, aren't they? Seen as unnecessary, something you can put off so some other time you can prioritize out of the way. <clears throat> okay, so. As we look at the things that we need for spiritual health and for growth as Christians, uh, as I said, one of the most important is going to be the Word of God. This is the instruction from the Father. This is what God uses in our lives to purify our minds, to direct our paths, to reset our priorities, to change our perspectives, all of these different things. Uh, we find that the Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So the Word of God brings an increase of faith. Uh, it gives us a different, as I said, a different perspective, a different way of viewing the world around us. It begins shaping our thoughts. Whenever we spend time in God's Word, we're going to be thinking differently. It directs our desires. We're going to be desiring differently as we get into the Word of God. And it purifies and cleanses our hearts as we're going through the Word of God. And it, it tackles all of these things going on, and it's working on the inside of us outward. And I believe that the Word of God is so important in our lives because it is, uh, the Bible says that it is uh, quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, dividing us under the, the joints and the marrow, the thoughts and the intents of the heart, okay? So it is alive, it is working, it is something that God is using in our lives. As we're going through the, 
the spiritual armor in Ephesians chapter number six, it says that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. Okay, that means that not that we're supposed to be wielding it like a sword, but that the spirit, the Holy Spirit within us uses it as a sword. It is his weapon. It is his defense in our life. He is working in us. And so that's why the word of God is so important. It is transformative. It is uh, giving ability, it is giving power to God to do a work in us. It is the materials, if you will, for him to build us up as we're going through the word of God. Does that make sense to everybody? And so we can neglect the word of God. We can ignore it. And we'll still be saved. But we're going to be spiritually anemic. We talked about it a minute ago how this is seen as spiritual food. It is going to be giving us strength. It is going to be growing us uh, in his word here. Uh, we could compare the Bible to, to several different things. We could compare it to an operator's manual for life. It tells us how things were meant to go, how things were meant to work, right? Uh, we could see it as the material that you need to pass the test. You remember back whenever you were in school and you had to study? Bible says in uh, Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. Study, right? And back in school, you had to study to know what was on the test so that whenever the test came, you could pass it. So as we go through the word of God, we are learning the things that are necessary so that whenever tests and trials come, we know how to approach them. We know the answers. Whenever Jesus was tried in the wilderness of Satan for 40 days, he continued to come back to the scripture. He had studied the material. He knew how to pass the test, right? Uh, we can see it as uh, warning signs along life's motorway. All throughout the scriptures, we find different things that it points to, and it gives us warnings, things it says to flee from this, to leave these things alone, to go this direction, to go that direction. It is giving us guidance. I guess we could almost see it as a, a satnav, right? Along life's highway, trying to point us in the right direction. We could look at it like a recipe. It gives us all the ingredients to put together to make uh, life turn out the way that it should. You ever try to cook without a recipe? Sometimes I go off the recipe. I always go off the recipe. I don't always follow it exactly. Okay? I don't advise that with the Bible. But whenever we're trying to make something, we need to know what we're doing. If you're wanting to make a life, you need to know what ingredients to put into it, and that's in the Bible. We find that it is a love letter from God. It is him telling us what he thinks of us, how he does love us, what he has done for us, how he cares for us, his desires for us. We can see it as assembly instructions. That would be similar to like a recipe, a maintenance schedule to keep us tuned up and running right. Okay, And so we see all of these things in the Bible. And so as I'm bringing all of this out, we find that the Bible is not meant to be uh, read as a religious exercise. It's not meant to be read as an obligation. Reading it doesn't gain us favor with God, and not reading it doesn't put us on his naughty list. Okay? Isn't this how a lot of people look at it? If I read the Bible, God's happy with me. If I don't read it, well, that's a mark against me. It's almost like you're going through the, the teacher's grade book. I don't guess they have those anymore. Now it's all online. But it's like you're trying to perform right and get a good grade on this. But instead, what it is, is that the Bible is benefiting us. It is growing us, and it is essential to our spiritual health. 
uh, it equips the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. And so it's not about, I have to read this, I have to do this, it's instead, I need to do this. And so as we are talking about reading the Bible, it's not sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to read this through in one setting. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's not even saying, okay, I've got to read X number of chapters or X number of verses every day. It's not, okay, I messed up and I didn't read yesterday, I'm a bad boy. Now I've got to... And now I've got to feel shame and embarrassed because I didn't do it yesterday. Isn't this some of the ruts that we fall into? Whenever we talk about reading the Bible, it's a checklist that we have to get by with. It is, I have to do so much. If I miss a day, I need to feel shame and regret about it. i got to make up for it tomorrow. And it becomes this religious exercise rather than it being this... Uh, <coughs> rather than it being a, an, an exercise in health and benefit for us and blessing for us. I've, I believe that it would be more beneficial for us to sit down and figure out what we can do each day. I think it would be, it's a, a worthy and notable goal, or noble goal for us to desire to read the Bible every day. Not that whenever we miss a day that we beat ourselves up over it, but for us to read the Bible every day because it does refocus our attention. It starts getting us to meditate upon the things of God and the things of his word. It is exposing us to the things that are good and that are holy, that are wise. It is counteracting some of the, the things that we are taking in in this world and the things that we're subjecting ourselves into. It, and so with that, it is healthy for us be taking it. I think we should uh, be reading the Word of God every day, but it doesn't mean that I have to read a huge amount because I believe it would be better for us to read a little with understanding, with our hearts and our minds prepared, with a good attitude, and read a little bit of it and meditate on it throughout the day rather than doing it to check off a list. Say, okay, I'm doing this for my health. I want to hear from God. I want to see what God's Word has to say. I want, I want to hear plenty of rubbish throughout the day. I want to see some things from the Word of God. I want that to be entering into my mind. I want it to be bringing health to my heart and to my mind and for it to be reshaping and refocusing my thoughts. Okay? So it's not, okay, I've got to read five chapters a day. It's not that I have to spend hours on end studying this out. But instead, it's I'm looking at the Word of God. I'm going to be putting that in into my heart, into my life, into my mind, so that it can, so that God can be doing a work through His Holy Spirit, using the things that I'm reading and applying it to my life. Now, it's possible to have the check, the checklist mindset, and be approaching the Word of God as, okay, I've got to do it this way. And have you ever read multiple chapters in Scripture and then thought at the end of it, I have no clue what I just read. We've all done it, right? You can get to the end of it and say, okay, I check it off for the day. I read my Bible. I have no clue what I read because my mind was on. I've got to change oil in the car. I've got to do the dishes. I need to do this. I need to do that. I've got, right? But I checked it off my list. Wouldn't we be better if we could just take five minutes and say, okay, I want to quiet things down. This is going to be time I'm going to spend in the Bible. 
and just read a few chapters, and or not chapters, a few verses, sorry, a few verses and meditate on it. Think on it, actually understand. What does this say? And so the last thing that I want to bring out in this, whenever we're reading the Bible, how do we read it? Okay, it's not just to get done with it. It's not just to check it off the list. It's approaching it saying, this is for my health. This is for my benefit. This is for my fellowship with the God of heaven, for him to get into my heart and in my mind, for the Holy Spirit to have the ammunition that he needs to fight off the battles that I'm going to face today. Right? And so whenever we read the Bible, I think we need to read it attentively and prayerfully. If you're reading through it and your mind's not on it and your heart's not there, it is futile. I mean, I guess it's better than nothing, but it's you're not benefiting a whole lot of anything. You need to read the Bible attentively and prayerfully. You need to read it literally, not mystically or figuratively. Okay, Read it literally. Because some people approach the Bible and they open it up and they say, okay, I'll open it up just randomly here. God, speak to me here. What is it? Pick and mix. Yeah, pick and mix. And then they just take things completely out of context. They try to make it say whatever they want to. They think that it's some kind of a, a mystical exercise that because it says this, well, it must mean this in my my day to day. I read about a tree here. There's a tree there. That must be connected. No. That's not what it means, okay? Read it literally, not mystically, not figuratively. Uh, we need to read it historically, okay? And what I mean by that is we look at who was it written to, when was it written, why was it written, okay? Because we're wanting to read it with understanding. We're wanting it to actually do some good in our lives, right? And so as we open up the scripture, uh, say, for instance, you open up to, uh, you open up to Genesis, because I like Genesis, okay? You open up to Genesis, you say, okay, when was this written? Long, long time ago, right? What was going on at that time? Well, it was very tribal, nomadic era. That God was calling, uh, calling Abraham out of all of the nations. He's trying to reveal himself to mankind because of the sin. And so we get an idea of what's going on there. And so why was it written? It was written to show what God was doing in that time to bring about salvation in our time, right? And so we also need to be mindful of what we're writing as far as what genre it is. Is it historical, like Genesis that I was talking about? Genesis, Exodus, video, all those, those are historical books. They were written at a specific time to a specific people, right? For a specific purpose. And it does have application for us. We'll get to that in just a minute. But you get up to Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon. Those are poetic books. Proverbs has short, uh, short wise sayings, general sayings that we can learn from, that we can apply to our lives and get wisdom for our day-to-day -day living out of, right? Some of them were written as prophecy. And we've studied a little bit of that in Daniel, right? You start reading about the beasts and the goats and the sheep and all that, and you're like, whoa, what does this mean to me? And then there are some that are epistles. Those are the ones, the letters that are written to instruct and to uh, 
guide some of the early churches, some of the things that they were going through. And so we, we are mindful of these things, but what type of writing is it? Because if you approach one of the prophetic ones and you're reading about the beasts and all these different things, well, what does this have to do with me today? We need to be mindful of what it was written about. And so that brings us to the last thing, to application. Though we can't take everything like it was written directly to us, all scripture is profitable to us. And I believe that all scripture has application that we can look at, that we can apply it to our lives, that we can grow from it, that we can learn from it. Even in those prophetic sections that I was looking at, we can see that uh, God was revealing to Daniel. He wanted his people to know what he was going to do. God's revealed many things to us. He doesn't seek to be distant and far away. He doesn't want a, everything to be left for us to guess. He has spelled out what he has for us in the future, right? Not only that, but God is a personal God. He was dealing with Daniel on a personal level, right? God is a powerful God. He knew what was going to happen, and he knew uh, what nations were going to do what, and he was capable of making the things that he said was going to happen. He was capable of making those happen. So we see his power. We see his knowledge all through that. And if God can do all those things for Daniel, if God can do all those things through the people of Israel, he can do those things in our life, right? So there is application in a prophetic book. Okay. Whenever God calls Moses out, he talks to him in the burning bush. Does that mean that God's going to, we need to be looking for a burning bush? No. But we do see during that time, God's people were in captivity. And that God brought someone to minister to them, to lead them out. God was bringing about a deliverance for them, right? It foreshadows salvation for us. But it also tells that God knows where we're at. He knows what we're going through, that he cares about what we're going through, and that he is capable of delivering us from that or walking with us through that. We also see that all the things that he has uh, in that situation had a purpose. Why did those things happen? Well, if those things didn't happen to the nation of Israel, then what would have been the rest of Scripture? Right? We can also look at Moses as the person in that and say, okay, Moses wasn't eloquent of speech. He didn't think he was capable. He didn't believe that uh, he was able to do what God was calling him to do. But then we know what happened with him, right? God was more than capable of using even, even a man like Moses stuttering and fumbling his way through. Yes, he messed up a few times and different things, but God was more than capable of using him to do what Moses thought was impossible. So much so that all the way up in Jesus' time, thousand years later, that they were still almost worshiping Moses and looking at him as one of the greatest leaders ever whenever Moses stood by in front of the burning bush and said, God, you got the wrong man. There's no way this is going to work. You see how that applies to us? And so if you go to the word of God each day, and you're reading a little bit of it, you're seeking to understand, you're finding ways, some truths from that, that apply to your life, to encourage you on your way, to give you a perspective, a view of God, to refocus you on God and on the things of God. You see how that's going to bring strength and faith and help your walk with God? 
rather than say, okay, this is a religious exercise. I need to read three chapters today, mark it off my list. Now I'm going on my way. Okay. So with all of that being said, I just want to encourage you, look at reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God, not as something that you have to do, but something that is healthful for you to do, something that's beneficial, something that's good for you to do. If you miss a day, it doesn't mean that God's mad at you. If you don't read it at all, it doesn't mean that you're less saved or that you're less of a Christian. It just means that you're shortchanging yourself on growth and on health. If you ignore the Word of God, if you, uh, if you don't prioritize the Word of God, it is only hurting yourself because God has given it to us for our health. Uh, it would be like going to the doctor and the doctor gives you his orders and he says, okay, here's some things that you can do to lengthen your life, to give you a better quality of life. And you say, eh, stuff it, I don't want to do that. Right? And I say that coming from the perspective of most of us probably have that attitude with the doctors. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, you need to cut down the red meat. And I say, nah, I think I'll just die fat and happy. Right? Doctor says, you're putting a little bit too much weight. You need to go on a diet. Nah, sorry, doc. But we have the same approach to God's word. And it is going to lessen the quality of our spiritual life. Like I said, it's not going to make God mad at us. It's not going to put us in God's naughty list. It's not going to cause us to be less saved or not be saved. But it is going to shortchange us on our spiritual health and on our growth. God has a path for us. He has a direction for us. He has a desire for us. But the only way that we're going to see that and achieve that is whenever we're allowing him to work through his word, when we're following his instruction. We have a, a heavenly father that's laying out a path for us. He's trying to guide us. He's trying to instruct us. He's trying to direct us around pitfalls. And we say, nah, I'll figure it out on my own. And we do. But we could have avoided a lot of the problems, couldn't we? So with all that being said, does anyone have any comments or anything to add this morning? Any questions? Fairly simple thoughts, I know, but just believe it's important for us to prioritize God's Word. There's nothing. Let's go ahead and we'll go to the Lord in prayer and we'll take a break. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that we have here before us. We thank you, Lord, that we can use it as daily bread, that we can come to it and receive health and nourishment and strength and guidance. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for the warning signs, Lord, that helps us to avoid the pitfalls in life. We're thankful, Lord, for the way that it rewires our faulty thinking, Lord, and uh, Lord, how it uh, fixes our vision, our view of you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, ask you to help us, Lord, that we can see the Bible in this way, and Lord, that we can have a, a better relationship with you and with your word. And Lord, I just pray we have our time together today in church. And all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.